I wouldn't say I had any hesitation about doing this particular review because this is a question that's been on my mind for, I think, 10 years. I know that's kind of an exaggeration because it's not like I waited 10 years to talk about it, but I guess I developed an awareness of it when I started watching films by Woody Allen and the question came to me because I was aware of his history or alleged history. I mean, I, I think we, I agree with the idea that we live in a culture where just to be accused leans more towards being guilty. And it, it's always regardless of who you are. And, and when you operate in a world like Hollywood, which is filled with celebrities, which garner a good amount of admiration and hatred at the same time, it's very difficult for that not to be the case. I mean, I remember how people were so easy to judge back in early 2009 when that tape of Christian Bale expressing his anger on the set of Terminator Salvation, the, one of the, probably the worst Terminator film I've ever seen. I mean, I haven't seen Genesis, and I heard Dark Fate was decent. But, uh, I mean, if I'm being frankly honest, I think they dropped the fucking ball when Terminate, after Terminator 2 Judgment Day because the first two are classics. The third one is just one, is one is a montage of crash scene after crash scene that I just get fucking bored out of my skull. The fourth one, I mean, that's probably the only film I thought Christian Bale's acting was goddamn atrocious and, and I know this, I'm not rushing to his defense. I don't know him. I mean, I've seen him in interviews. He seems like a decent guy as opposed to back in the late 2000s. But that was probably because he was, I don't know, I mean, he was just getting used to being a movie star as opposed to just an actor. I mean, he did say when he first played Batman, he came from that he didn't want to be thought of as the guy who played Batman, given the fact that he had worked mostly in the independent film world. And there's something to admire about that kind of honesty. Because, and there is a dignity to it, because when you look at the independent film world, as opposed to a much more big, massive studio-backed enterprise, you obviously feel that there is a much more collaborative and much more enduring sense of hard work. I mean, look at a film like The Machinist, where he basically destroyed his body just to play a guy who was dying of insomnia and weighed 120 pounds. That when he, when his, when a guy his height should be at least at 180. But again, this is not a defense. This is just so much as an illustration of a question. I feel is relevant to the culture today, and this pertains to a scene from the movie Tar I recently saw. And no, this is not a review of the movie Tar. I think I'm gonna have to watch that movie another t again just to get a better idea of how I want to approach analyzing it. But with regards to the qu the scene I'm referring to, and for those of you who have seen the movie Tar, and you know which one I'm referring to, but those of you who have it, I recommend you turn this review off and go see the film. It's on Amazon Prime, and it is a great film, and it's. It, and at the same time kind of a shame given that it took so long for Todd Field to make a movie because I was a really big fan of In the Bedroom and Little Children was very impactful to me. But with Tar, the scene where Kate Blanchett's character Lydia Tar destroys the woke 
social SJW biopic pangender kid. I mean, that was, yeah, the fact that he labeled himself that so deliberate, I'm not, a, I wouldn't say courageously, I don't want to give any respect to that because I really don't have any respect for that SJ, I don't have any respect for that SJW culture that is very obsessed with the moral virtue signaling that allows them to discredit or even cancel someone they may or may, they may disagree with. And look, I am not in defense of how she humiliated him entirely because I know that there is a double-edged sword of the hypocrisy of that scene where Kate Blanche's character is basically saying that the art trend surpasses the artist. And even though there is truth to that, the reason behind that carries the weight of the fact that she herself is a hypocrite. But this all goes, this goes all the way back to the mention I made of Woody Allen and how I became aware of this question because I know in 2013 or 20, early 2014, yeah, that's right. I think he he was given some special Golden Globe Award and Diane Keaton accepted it and then Mia Farrow and her family had a problem with it. I don't, I don't know if it was during that, but I know that around the time, the accusations of the sexual assault he allegedly made on his daughter, Dylan Farrow. Not, was it Dylan Farrow? I think that's her name. But... Around that time, they resurfaced, and I was very skeptical and about how I felt, whether I should still watch his movies, as opposed to, well, how I felt about him. I mean, I don't know how I feel about Woody Allen. I mean, on a surface level, look of him, he seems like a, he looks like a gimmicky, odd Jewish stereotype who is very hilarious, very comical, and even jolly. I mean, I don't judge, I mean, it, yeah, it is weird that he married his non-biologically -bio related stepdaughter. And yes, she was legal, but I don't know. I don't know how to judge that because I think people mostly judge that from a Western perspective. And I can't say I judge, I judge him on that. That's his decision, I mean, could be worse, he could be a pedophile. And if that is true, that only poses the question of whether we can separate the art from the artist. And I guess in some sense, yeah, you can. It's no different from separating the innovator from the innovation. I mean, look at a Ford Motors. Henry Ford was a prick. Well, I mean, aside from being an anti-Semite that funded an anti-Jewish publication and provided Nazis with his own automobiles, he was genuinely an asshole. When a guy like him says, I don't want thinkers, I want workers, that gives you an idea of how closed-minded, narcissistic, and just how, how even focused he is in crushing the idea of individual thinking. And he's hailed as an innovator. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't come up with something unique, but the fact that he has such a bi binary view of innovation itself is very disturbing because you can contrast that with someone like Elon Musk, who says, we're not really interested in degrees. 
I'm really interested in what people bring to the table. Now, I'm not saying that Elon Musk doesn't have an ego. For all we know, he probably do, he probably if he was to come across somebody in his line of work who challenged him. You can only hedge your bets as to how accepting he would be of that of the kind of challenge that could innovate the company. But probably you never know. I mean, Steve Jobs, intelligent and as as visionary as he was. Seems like the kind of guy that would probably not like to have his funder stolen from him. His gusto. I don't know if I can phrase it more appropriately, but it's all just guesswork I'm doing because I don't know any of these individuals. At the same time, though, I think it's, imp- it's more important to focus more on what they've done, what they've created, as opposed to who they are as people. That doesn't mean we should just dismiss them. I mean, if tomorrow that we learn that there's actual proof that Woody Allen is a pedophile, we should condemn him for that to the same extent that we can condemn someone like Kevin Spacey and the allegations of all the sexual assaults he was supposedly accused of. But I do agree with the comments made following that Judy Dench said that, well, I don't know, that his work should still be admired for what it stood for. And there is some truth to that, because let's face it, is anybody listening to this really going to not be touched when they see... Yeah, that's putting it oddly, given that what's what these, these guys were accused of, but is nobody not going to feel an emotional resonance when watching an American Beauty in the last scene where... Uh, where Lester is looking at that picture of his family and he says, my silly little life. No, with this, with just this, I don't know, there's just something about that scene that makes me cry because you realize he's, after all the shit he went through in the film and all the immaturity, the, the, the self-actualization, the self-reflection, this lack of certainty, which is something a lot of people can relate to in watching American Beauty. And then at the end, when he's smiling and looking at that picture of his family and just treasuring something that has just become lost and replaced with something hollow, mechanical, and even empty to the point where, I don't know, I just, it, it makes me sad because it is a beautiful scene and the kind that you don't see in many movies nowadays because it would... But again, it is an example of the type of art that that surpasses the artist. That doesn't admonish what they've done, but it is worth looking into because that this all goes back to the scene I was talking about in Tar. As one line, one specific line from that scene always manages to get me. That's when uh, Lydia tells the student, Max, don't be so eager to be offended. And that there's truth to that because I remember back, yeah, back in 2014 also when the movie Exodus, Gods and Kings, which I've never seen because Ridley Scott, as much as I admire a lot of his works, he's still always going to be a hit or miss guy. There's some movies that I like and some I really don't care for. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Black Hawk Down. But again, 
When Exodus, Gods, and King came out, there was the biggest controversy, aside from the fact that Christian Bale called Moses barbaric, and for those who've read any of the free Abrahamic texts, will understand that there's a lot more complexity to it, but they, that's all they got from what the Christian Bale's statement, that he considered Moses one of the most barbaric individuals he'd read about, but he also ex complimented him for his complexity in what he read. That all they took was the barbaric comments. And aside from that, another thing that, another controversy around the film was that they had whitewashed all the actors. Now, do I believe equal representation in any medium, especially an artistic one, is important? Absolutely. But if you're just looking to get upset over that, when there are countless examples of other productions having whitewashing and those don't get shit then it's just like a group of people that are eager to get offended for nothing. And I love how Christian Bale's response was, those people should get a fucking life. I mean, he didn't say fucking, but it would have been funny for him to say that, because I really, do, I really, I know, I may be coming off as anti-woke, and I guess to some extent I can't really, I can't really say anything against that because I do have a problem with the moral virtue signaling of that of that culture because it's like they're performing this purity test where they try where out of a sense of inferiority they're trying to enact a level of superiority over people that they've just compared themselves with in a pointless fashion that's just the way I always look at it in these subjects. Because, again, when it comes to the work of an artist, I think the art surpasses who they are. I mean, look, Schopenhauer, and he's even brought up in the film Tar. He was a brilliant philosopher. And, but at the same time, you're not going to look at him in an optimistic sense when you learn that he threw a woman over the flight of stairs. And the, I mean, when I, when I heard that in the movie, I was like, shit. I remember hearing about that. I didn't know if it was true or not, but and who knows what is true about them, but just thinking about that does put you in a, in a confused state, and it's acceptable. But, again, where does... Is it possible? I think it is because... Look, I always go back to Woody Allen because he is the prime example. I mean, one of the worst things he could be accused of is being a pedophile. And yet this same accused pedophile created a masterpiece like Manhattan. Ironically, his main character... <coughs> uh, what's his main character's name? Isaac is dating a 17-year-old. And that's a dicey area, given the fact that she's a 17-year-old getting close to the age of 18. And again, I know it's not legal, but... I really would find it weird that someone would be eager to get angry at something like that in a movie, which is really about a guy reconciling with his own existential angst and his own position in life and how to find and trying to find an authentic sense of love. I really just don't see how you could get angry with that small little nitpick in a film like that. I don't know. I'm not the most I wouldn't I mean, if someone is dead, somebody, oh God, I'm swam. My thoughts are trailing off and I'm twisting my tongue again. I do that when I'm tired, but 
I guess if somebody was to ask me for moral advice, I'd be the last person to do that. And not because I'm some demon that keeps children in a dungeon, allegedly. But more so because I just don't, I, I don't want to look at myself in a hypocritical fashion if I make the wrong call. I mean, for me, trying to give people advice is not really the best course of action. And that's just how I look I look at it in a similar context within the subject of separating art from the artist. I mean, look, I think most people will agree with the opinion that a guy like Steve Jobs was an asshole, but he was still a visionary. And the work he, the revolutionary work his thinking implemented should not be disavowed just because he had a very fucked up and complicated relationship with his family, with his daughter, who... I mean, if you've seen the film of Michael Fassbender, which is a brilliant film, he obviously was willing to even disavow the idea that she was his daughter for a long time, and that is very cruel and very twisted. But again, something like that, I'm not saying it should be overlooked, but it shouldn't be held over the work they accomplished. And I, again, I mentioned Henry Ford. I mean, being the prick that he was, he still was an, an intelligent innovator. I mean, this is just a short little, a short question that's been on my mind for a long time. And I hope that anybody who is interested in listening to this episode can really give me their thoughts and to see if they would like to discuss it in a podcast episode. Because in addition to interviewing filmmakers, film reviews, I do like to bring on just basic film fans to discuss questions I think film constantly promotes, especially in a time where cinema is that much more important and just how it's being distributed. I mean, the fact that most people don't even go to the movies anymore is kind of depressing to me because, look, I mean, I do see the innovative and convenient utilization of streaming services to be very revolutionary and important. I mean, I find it convenient and kind of great that I can watch that that I didn't have to wait a long time to see Ben Affleck's directorial air. That I was able to see it just days after its theatrical, theatrical release on Amazon. But still, it does take away from the cathartic experience that cinema was famous for. And one of the best experiences I've ever had, is in addition to seeing The Dark Knight back in 2008 and feeling like I was just baptized. Thank you, Christopher Nolan was watching the 2019 film Avengers Endgame. I mean, just the build-up, the cathartic ecstasy of an entire auditorium being excited in that, in that showdown when Captain America says, finally, he finally gets to say, Avengers, assemble. Oh, God, yeah, that's my annotation of Chris Evans at his greatest. Still... That's why I love the cinematic experience. Not simply for the catharsis, but also for the intellectual questions it can promote. And this all goes back to something Terry Gilliam said, which I finally got his name right, because I mentioned in the previous episode the films he made, now I'd forgotten his last name, but Terry Gilliam did say that the difference between a Kubrick, between Stanley Kubrick and, and uh, Steven Spielberg is that Steven Spielberg gives you nice, tied-up bow answers, as opposed to Kubrick, who left you with questions. And uh, that, to me, is the most important thing about a great work of art. In addition to the 
the subject it was tackling, any other questions that can result from just ex its existence or conception alone are worth pursuing. And I guess I want to use a per uh, another example before I finish this video because the real reason that this video was really inspired, aside from my own thoughts on Woody Allen from when I got into his movies and a film like Tar and that line about not being so eager to be offended, was that back in 2017, following the revelations of a bastard like Harvey Weinstein, there was a YouTuber who used the example of Woody Allen and uh, he basically, he dedicated a, an entire video to throwing away all his Woody Allen material, almost like it was a moral statement to say, I'm a good person and Woody and because I don't like what Woody Allen is allegedly accused of before it's been proven officially, I'm going to throw out all my Woody Allen stuff. And look, I'm not going to mention this guy's name. I'm not going to expose him because I still think he makes great content. But I just felt that the way the video was designed, it was almost like he wanted the world to see this just to show that he's a good person. Because, look, the Me Too movement is a good thing to expose men who have abused their power and mistreated women. But if you're going to turn it into a witch hunt where if you so simply touch a woman or say the wrong thing by accident, that automatically makes you an asshole or someone that should be lynched, that's just fucked up. And again, that's the problem I have with this, with this idea that you should conflate the artist with the art. It's just like, an, it feels like it's more of an attempt of, of morally justifying some insecurity you have within yourself and how you feel about yourself as a human being. And that's just wrong. I mean, look, nobody's perfect. And look, I don't use the, art, the idea of perfection as a way to excuse mediocrity because that's not, that shouldn't be the case either. But still, when talking about art, you should separate ethics as well. Well, I mean, depending on how, what it took to make that art, I mean, I don't think you should do something twisted to create a great work of art. Anyway, I feel like I'm running out of things to say with regards to this idea because, you know, kind of just, well, I'm always babbling in a sense. Oh, and regarding my last podcast episode, it was Andy Stump, not Andy Kampf. Uh, yeah, that's regarding the regarding the podcast with Chris Williamson that I mentioned in the previous episode. And it would be a dick move not to correct myself. I mean, I always get people's names wrong one way or the other. But anyway, figured I'd mention that football. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I hope you check out the sponsors like uh, Spotify for Podcasters and Fountain, which I've left links to down below, as well as the Bitcoin buying apps. Because you know what? I think anybody who listens to this podcast should have a chance to earn some hard money as opposed to relying on the fiat bullshit that continues to cripple the middle class or even diminish them to the point that you're wondering just how long will it be before the middle class is totally eliminated. Anyway, enough of my moral preaching and babbling. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and uh, till next time.